Hi everyone, this is your host Ramakrishna from Usha Investment Group LLC. Welcome back to Multifamily AP360, the show where we discuss 360 degrees views on mindset, passive and active multifamily investing. For those who are looking for tips, strategies, best and challenging experiences. Also, I request you to share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Today's our guest is Anton Matli from Peak Financing. Welcome back, Anton. So you came at episode 30, uh, almost two years. So thank you very much coming back. Yeah, you're welcome. Hi, Rama. Nice to be with you again. Sure, sure. Thank you. Uh, share me, like, how do you see, like, you know, multifamily space and lending space? Can you summarize last two years from uh, from your point of view, Anton? Yeah, sure. Uh, it's only has been a a crazy roller coaster from uh, the time when we uh, faced uh, COVID-19 in full force in March of 2020, when it appeared that the whole whole world and the whole economy would just uh, go into a deep, uh, deep hole. And uh, no one really had any idea how, how long it would last. And uh, we certainly have seen it also from a transaction and financing side for in that initial period, it was really challenging. A lot of bridge lenders closed shops. Uh, some of them, they stopped lending and uh, really outside of the agency lenders, there was only an extreme uh, restriction when it came, when it came to, to financing. But as you know, within a, a couple of months and certainly on, in the multifamily space, everyone felt much more comfortable. And that then started that uh, buying spree by uh, by not just uh, existing investors, but certainly uh, a significant move also from uh, from institutional investors that reallocated assets uh, and funds into the multifamily space, as well as industrial space. And in particularly in these two segments, the market just uh, started to explode uh, in in the summer of and fall of 2020, <clears throat> and. As uh, everyone who has been active in that space over the last uh, two years has seen, it it has been only going up. Uh, so only in the multifamily space, rents have grown uh, very significantly. Uh, virtually all major markets uh, with double digits year over year. Some markets is even a twenty percent plus of rent growth, uh, and. Uh, at the same time, because of all the liquidity that came into the market, uh, record low cap rates uh, were were paid, and naturally uh, that these the rank growth combined with uh, record low cap rates that only has helped uh, a lot of owners of properties at that point uh, to sell these properties at a, at a very significant uh, profit. And that's also one of the reasons why certainly there has been a lot of uh, velocity in the market with uh, with a lot of owners that didn't really plan to sell within one or two years, but the market was so attractive that they put these properties onto the market. 
And that certainly has been all the way through 2021. But we certainly have seen a little bit of a of a slowdown now in 2022, where uh, there is not as much of a of a flow of of new properties as we have seen in 2021. Got it. Yeah. Thanks for summarizing that. And so, from your your point of view, so what? Asset class have more demand, and what kind of transactions you are seeing a lot, like you know, from new financing or refinancing or you know, construction loans or you know, whatever. Yes. So uh, maybe we can touch on multifamily at at the end, since that is uh, where obviously uh, you are very active in, and a lot of your listeners are, and we also cover quite a bit of our activities in the multifamily. Uh, but we certainly have seen still a very strong deal flow in the industrial space. Uh, we also have seen on the self-storage side still a big demand, mobile home parks, which obviously is an extension of multifamily, has been a very strong demand. So in all these asset classes, cap rates have come down significantly. A lot of liquidity that comes uh, has come into, uh, into these asset classes where there is still a little bit more of a challenge certainly is on the retail property side, unless it's a, it's a grocery anchor uh, center or uh, the, the smaller mom and pop neighborhood centers where there is uh, quite a bit of the demand. And then obviously uh, all the, the national triple net uh, credit tenants that's always in demand with, with a lot of investors. Office buildings and hospitalities only still have been the, the most uh, challenging uh, segment. On the hospitality side, we certainly have seen a, a pickup in, in activity and a lot of experienced hotel operators and owners have jumped back in to pick up some, some attractive deals. But certainly on the office side, there is still a lot of uncertainty what the actual space demand is going to be of office space going forward with a lot of companies still trying to figure out how much space they're going to need going forward. So that's probably still the most challenging one. Now, when it comes to multifamily, it's still a lot of activity. I would say in the institutional buyers have been extremely active and uh, syndication groups have also been very active. And I would say what we have seen in, as a general observation that the deal size only has gone up quite a bit by syndication groups where in the past, uh, uh, particularly for someone who was relatively new to that space, maybe they bought a deal of 10 million or 50 million. And very often now we see in relatively new groups buying properties that are in the 20 to 30 million range. And then the more experienced ones, they definitely have stepped up the deal size as well as have moved to uh, to newer assets from, I would say, B plus to maybe A minus. Many more of these deals are now also done by by syndication groups, in addition to obviously the, uh, the institutional buyers. Now, what we also see a lot is only on the, uh, because of the cap rates compressing so much, where uh, 
many are wondering whether uh, the price points they're paying are, are too high. There has been a lot of movement towards new construction and by institutionals, but certainly also by syndicators. And uh, syndicators traditionally have not been active in the ground up development space, but because of the sometimes significant discount uh, of uh, building a property from the ground up compared to buying a similar property as is, uh, a lot of syndicators have ventured into, into the ground up development space. I would say the challenge they have certainly been facing there is, is that their investor base has been used to cash on cash returns out of the gate, or at least within three to six months after they made the investment. And now investors need to adapt to that new world where for the first two years plus, there is no cash on cash return, but there obviously will be a significant or hopefully a significant return once the property is either refinanced, once it's stabilized or sold uh, later on. Uh, so that's what we what we see a lot on the, the financing side. Most acquisitions in all major markets, they're all done now with bridge loans, I would say at minimum 80%, very often in some markets like the, the really hot markets like Dallas, Austin, Houston, all the major Arizona markets like uh, Phoenix, as well as uh, Tucson, and then all of Florida, they're all done, and Georgia, they're all done with bridge loans to, to a large extent. And naturally, that is all driven by the fact that the, the cap rates are at record level. So if someone wants to have a leverage that is, let's say, 70, 75, sometimes 80% of cost, that is really the only way to get uh, to get that leverage on the financing side because the in-place cash flow would just not support it. If one wanted to go with an agency loan or an order permanent loan, the, f- the leverage would likely be somewhere in the 50% to maybe 65% in, in most instances, which is just too low for most of the syndicators. Got it. So you touched a lot of great points. Uh, and right now, uh, cap rates are compressing and interest rates are going up and inflation also going up. And how do you see the you know multi-family space or debt space next two to five years, and uh, how long it will go up the interest rates and uh, what's your point of view, Anton? Yeah, uh, obviously n- nobody has a crystal ball. Uh, I wish uh, we we had one. Uh, now, I would say it's only in medium term, and I'm I'm talking about six to twelve months. Uh, there will continue to be a pressure of of additional rate increases as the inflation is still a, b- a big problem. I'm not so sure where it's going to level out and whether we uh, potentially have a cool down uh, in the economy next year. And if that were the case, then there might be a, f- a chance that interest rates will, will level off and or come back down. Uh, if there is a significant downturn, it could well be that interest rates uh, are again coming down just because of the, uh, the cool down effect that we 
we typically see. Obviously, the big question is whether in a worst case, we enter into a st- uh, true stagflationary environment, in which case the, the interest rates may still stay stay significantly high. But regardless of, of uh, whether that is going to happen or not, I think overall uh, rates will be, we have seen over the last year or two, particularly during the the time when when COVID was hitting us the hardest, where interest rates were at rock rock, uh, rock bottom level, I don't think that we are going to see that again in the very near future. Which uh, I think we have to recognize as as investors as well as lenders that uh, we have to deal with with higher interest rates uh, going forward. And that is definitely, in my view, a challenge for a lot of the bridge loans that have been taken out over the last uh, one to two years, where the exit on these bridge loans by lenders as well as by the investors were assumed to be able to refinance somewhere around the three and a half to four percent fixed rate uh, loans. And in reality, if they wanted to refinance today at the current rates where we are, we would be at four and a half to five percent in in most instances. So there is a significant difference between what one assumed over the last year to two years when one took out these bridge loans and where the reality is today. So I foresee that there will be quite a number of bridge loans that need to be refinanced if they do not sell the property, where they potentially have to bring equity to the table uh, just that they can accomplish that uh, refinancing. And that I would say is is a is only a concern of uh, of ours, uh, but it also potentially creates opportunities for buyers like you uh, for situations where an existing owner may have the the need to sell the property, even if it's at the discount, so just to get the, the their investors the money back and maybe some return, even if it's not the return that you originally anticipated. Got it. And how do you see, like, you know, from agency versus bridge loan point of next two to three or next 12 months or 12 months to 24 months? Yes, we, we already have seen it uh, over the last uh, roughly two months, but it's only over the last month that s- spreads on the bridge loans have gone up. In addition, obviously, to the to the actual underlying index rate, right, most of most bridge lenders now, at least in the large space, I'm talking about 10 million and, and up, typically lend on a floating rate basis. Most of them now have already switched over to software. Some of them are still using LIBOR. But regardless of that, uh, reality is software and LIBOR, they are up by roughly 30 basis points. And add to that also a spread that uh, was increased a little bit by by most lenders because the market uh, has uh, uh, in the uh, bond market really that the investor demand there is also for higher returns 
uh, has an impact that these floating rate bridge loans, while we were able to to get in them in the upper two percent all-in rate to the low three percent today, in most instances they are in the three and a half to somewhere close to four percent range. So we see kind of around one percent to a certainly half a percent increase in in overall borrowing cost right out of the gate there. Now, on what we also have seen with the bridge lenders is because obviously the fixed rate uh, financing, if you took out an agency loan today or a CMBS loan, it, the interest cost, the interest rate will be significantly higher than just a couple of months ago. Uh, what we also see is that bridge lenders are more conservative when it comes to the underwriting, specifically to the stabilized debt yield and or debt service coverage, what they are calculating in year three when the property is supposed to be stabilized. That very often also has an impact on the maximum loan proceeds. Uh, and we even have seen it with existing deals that were already put under loan application. They're doing the underwriting because of the significant uh, raise in the 10-year treasury. Lenders actually have have reduced the loan proceeds to, to recognize the fact that the exit side is, is much tighter. Yeah, got it. So many great points. And would you share any of your best experience last 12 to 24 months? The best experience? Yep. Uh, well, there, there were many, right? But the, obviously for us as a as a firm uh, on the financing side, every every single deal where we close without any hiccup is is a great experience. And I would say we've that is probably just what what we have uh, have been blessed with over over the the last year that uh, we've uh, all the loans that we we have arranged we were able to to close as as applied uh, so we didn't have any retrade there so uh, were there some standout deals i would say certainly a couple of them in in more difficult markets where where we had to to negotiate with with the lender underwriting as well as with the appraiser in a in 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 pretty extensive uh, uh, period of time just to get everyone aligned and naturally that tends to be in 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 markets where where cap rates are at record levels and also price increases are very very often ahead of any of the of the comps that that the appraisers have so we we have seen a number of these successes in uh, in markets like florida as well as in in arizona where it's typically uh, the most challenging got it so would you also share any of your challenging experiences in the last two years? Yeah, it's really along the, the same way. Obviously, two years ago, right when COVID-19 uh, hit us in, in full force and every everything was shut down, uh, that was really the most challenging time uh, because we we had to get all these loans that were under under application actually closed, and that was probably the the, the most challenging time uh, over the last two years. And since then, the situation has 
has only greatly improved until about a month ago when we now see that all a lot of challenges that we that we didn't have to deal with uh, for the majority over the last year and a half, they are now resurfacing primarily because obviously the the, the global geopolitical situation is, is much more unstable. We have a significant inflation, we have rate increases and all that. So we've, uh, we now see certainly over the last year and a half, the current times are probably the most challenging we have seen in, in a long time. And I foresee that that is, is getting more challenging. Uh, so I would suggest is whoever is taking out loans today, go with, with brokers that really know what they are doing and uh, also listen to, to a good broker to make sure that that they are recommending lenders that are having the ca- uh, capability to actually close, right? So uh, I foresee that there will be a number of bridge lenders that are likely going to struggle because they cannot securitize their the loans that they already have have on their book, which they originated over the last three to six months. And you do not want to be in a position with a with a bridge lender that where from a senior level, they get the order virtually overnight telling the, the originators and the underwriters, sorry, we don't do any more deals and even the existing ones we are not going to fund. So I would say that's my strong recommendation. Stick with with reputable brokers, debt brokers, stick with reputable lenders to, to ensure that you do not have that that's a negative wake-up call one, one morning shortly before you close on a deal. Yeah, that, that's a great point. Thank you. And what's your current focus and share something you're excited about now, Anton? Uh, well, our focus continues to be to support all commercial real estate acquisitions and refinancings, right? So, solely on the on the refinancing side, uh, we are very active in in getting property owners still into into fixed rate loans at uh, before rates going up even further uh, on the. Uh, on the acquisition side, the focus continues to be just to, to provide support wherever wherever our clients are going. Obviously, multifamily is continues to be a, a key uh, a key focus, but uh, we also provide the same support in in all the other asset classes as long as deals are are financeable. Uh, Great, yeah. Uh, any books that impacted your life and what way? Uh, I would say certainly Robert Kiyosaki's uh, book, right? And uh, the books, not just one, but but all of them, uh, had had a big, big uh, impact on on me personally. Uh, now, uh, I would say it's uh, beyond that. I do not really have any. A specific books that that uh, I, w- I would say that are standing out. I've, but I would say that as the situation shifts uh, in in the world and uh, as we 
as we adapt to to a new environment, a lot of the books that were 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 true and accurate. Very often they are outdated within a very short period of time, and that actually also includes some of the underwriting books. So that's why I generally do not recommend some of these underwriting recommendations because they they were written already a couple of years ago and they're no longer necessarily applicable today. So, but only when it comes to to the overall principle, be an investor rather than being an employee. What obviously Kiyosaki has has come out with that that was uh, one of the, the key pieces and also kind of the light bulb that that went off uh, uh, several decades ago, right? And obviously, if someone is uh, has not re- read it, uh, uh, his books, it's it's definitely very crucial. Other than that, I do not really feel that there are any specific books that one should should focus on. I'm a big proponent of just reading a lot, whether it comes to to, to social issues or financial issues, and only uh, there are so many resources that are available, including online. So following the current market for the, the current situations around the world, including the geopolitical situation and the impact it has on us, that in my view is 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 really a, a crucial piece to, to success, particularly where we are today and when we look forward for just one or two years. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. And how can listeners can connect with you, Anton? Um, I would say the easiest uh, is probably reach out by email. My email address is anton, A-N-T-O-N, at peakfinancing.com. It's like the mountain peak, followed by financing.com. I'm also uh, on LinkedIn, Facebook. Uh, so it's pretty easy to uh, to reach me. So obviously... Always happy if someone wants to connect, just connect with me on Facebook or LinkedIn and we can uh, communicate there. Yeah. Thank you, Anton. It's great chatting you again. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, Thank you, Rama. It was uh, great to be on with you again and uh, wish you a lot of success. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Multifamily AP360. Check out the show notes and grab the freebie on our website, ushacapital.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Follow me on my social media. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next time.